This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. Hello and welcome to the State of the Fleet Industry, a weekly video series produced by Automotive Fleet Magazine and which is sponsored by Circle K. I'm Mike Antich, editor of Automotive Fleet, and today I have a special guest, Mike Bush, business development manager for Primrose Alloys. And the two of us are going to be discussing current pricing trends and commodities and its impact on fleets. So uh, with that, I want to welcome you, Mike, for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again for having me. One of the biggest um, um, variables that's going on now in terms of commodity pricing is this very unpredictable war between Russia and the Ukraine and its impact that it's having. So even though the Russia and the Ukraine really do not import a lot of finished products uh, from the U.S. or from uh, Western countries, they are very large exporters of products that are critical to the supply chain, in particular metals. And that's where I'm hoping we might be able to start off our discussion by talking about what's going on in terms of pricing for key metals in the industry. Okay, Mike, uh, great topic. Uh, and there's been a lot of movement. Uh, we've seen a significant uptick in uh, steel in the past couple of weeks since the war started. It seemed to have leveled off last fall and into early winter months here. But again, because of the impact of the Ukraine and Russia from a steel producing standpoint, we, we've seen a spike up in steel prices again. Mm -hmm. uh, additionally, aluminum is up about 35% since the beginning of the year. Stainless steel, which is used in exhaust pipes and for catalytic converters, and parts underneath our car that we tend not to rust is actually up about 45% since January 1st. Uh, along with the catalytic converter housing, we also have a real issue with palladium. Palladium is up over 80% uh, since the beginning of the year. It's trading at roughly $2,700, $2,800 an ounce currently. Yeah, and you, you mentioned, you know, aluminum prices being up 30% since the start of the year, but they had gone up even prior to the year earlier. So those prices were already escalating. And since then, they've escalated another 30%. That's correct. Very limited resource. Um, very few countries, Russia being uh, one of the larger producers of that material. Uh, again, as we look at the supply chain, these events take a while to kind of get into a ripple effect, but once the mined and processed uh, palladium is consumed by the catalytic converter producers, who, who knows what a catalytic converter is going to cost in the future with an 80% increase in that raw material cost. And, and that's a concern for me because I think, you know, when that price starts going up, that's going to catch the attention of thieves that are in the marketplace. And already catalytic converter theft has been a huge business. And it, it's kind of been an epidemic with a lot of fleets. So with these prices going up, uh, I see and foresee the, an increase in catalytic converter thefts. And the big concern is once you try to replace this in the aftermarket, if there's a shortage there in, in palladium and manufacturing new catalytic converters, the lead time on waiting to get a replacement catalytic converter is gonna be very lengthy. And those vehicles are gonna be parked in essence because it's illegal to drive a vehicle 
on the streets that doesn't have a catalytic converter in it. Let's talk about you know some other areas that are being impacted. Uh, you, you mentioned transit. You know the the amount of rail traffic between Asia and Europe has increased uh, exponentially. I think they've actually reached uh, their fifty thousandth um, full train load that's that's crossed the country. But since the uh, wars occurred, all of these trains now have to be rerouted because many of them went through the Ukraine, and there really aren't that many alternative routes out there. What kind of impact is this having? Well, again, you're going to see increased costs because the trains are going to have to operate longer routes to divert around the, the war zone. Um, you're going to see disruptions because now you have reduced amount of track that you can negotiate for these longer trains. Therefore, there's going to be increased delays with waiting for the tracks to clear, so forth and so on. And additionally, even it has a fact affected the marine routing of ships that used to go to Ukraine uh, or in that region, they're trying to avoid it just so that they don't gotta get caught up as a war zone. collateral yeah. damage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the other areas that's of concern is is the price of natural gas, because natural gas is a is a key component in the manufacturing of these finished metals. And I'm wondering if you could touch upon that. Yeah, I mean, from the time it comes out of the ground and it starts to get mixed together as the raw log and then it moves on into the finishing process. Again, in Europe in particular, and even in the United States, the primary way of heating this material is actually the use of natural gas. We're also in the wintertime, which is peak season for natural gas use for home heat. We've seen energy costs continue to rise and in particular in Europe. Now, thinking of how metal's produced and where it's produced, a good quantity of metal comes directly out of the Ukraine and also Russia. They're the primary suppliers of the starting point for aluminum, steel, and stainless. Mm -hmm. So as we see that source disrupted, again, we're going to see higher price costs for the finished metal that go into uh, a vehicle. And also one thing that we forgot to mention is that the Ukraine is also a primary producer of copper, in particular to the wiring harnesses that are used in vehicles. Again, it's just one more piece of the puzzle that either for a replacement part or for a new part for a new production vehicle, you, you can't build without it or keep it sure. running. Well, and, and that's and this will probably impact the European automotive industry more so than than North American. But, you know, Ukraine uh, to Europe is what Mexico is to the U.S. automotive industry. It's a low cost supplier of uh, products that are very labor intensive and wire, making wiring harnesses is ve very labor intensive. And this war has impacted, you know, the, the production volume of those wiring harnesses and it's impacting overall production, just like how the microprocessor shortage is impacting production. And, and that's an interesting point you bring up. One of the things that we, we don't pay too much attention to is how those uh, chips and the microprocessors are printed and used. Uh, Russia provides 90% of the world's neon that's used in the lithography of these chips to start. Ironically enough, Ukraine purifies the neon so it can be used for the process and they purify about 60% of that 90%. So now at a very basic level, 
our our chip supply is being dramatically impacted by these two countries fighting and being taken offline to provide that starting point for our chips. It, it, very true. And this neon is used to power lasers and the lasers are what are used to create the etching in the lithography that creates the chips uh, and the circuitry within the chips. So with that neon being um, uh, in shorter supply now, it's going to have a direct impact on the amount of production that's going to be done. You know, it'll be found elsewhere, but there are going to be disruptions as a result of this. Very much so. As, as we saw at the end of the pandemic, when something gets shut down, it doesn't come right back up one day for one day. You're going to have, if you're shut down a day, you're probably looking at three to five days to recover mm-hmm. for every day. Well, you know, I'm glad you bring up that point because I was wondering if you could kind of look forward and and kind of elaborate on that point. So even if all of this stuff was to be resolved tomorrow, uh, hypothetically, you know, the lag time on actually resuming back to normal production is, is you know, um, more than that. And could you give me the formula that's used in making those calculations? You know, generally, if you take a look at an automobile today, the one that's sitting on the lot that's sitting there, it it took a year to get that vehicle to that point from the time you dig the metal out of the ground or the raw elements to the ground, to the processing of the metal, to the fabrication of the part, to the shipping and the assembly of the vehicle, you're looking at a year's time. But again, as we saw, and we're still experiencing delays shortage of supply theoretically we've been out of the pandemic state for about a year but we're nowhere near close to pre-pandemic output if you take a look at the medium and heavy duty truck folks they're still at 50 percent production at Mm -hmm. this point It's, it's a fascinating topic and a lot of people don't realize how these commodities are part of this whole domino effect that ultimately reaches us uh, in the way of finished products and the prices that we pay for those finished products. But unfortunately, we've reached our allotted time, Mike. We're going to have to save the remainder of this conversation for a future time. And it'll be a good thing to do to get an update on where we currently stand with uh, commodity pricing. So thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'll look forward to the next time we get to talk. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Thank you.